everybody. This is Tyler. This is Danny. And this is the Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. This week, Return of the Living Dead. But before we get there, we got some shit to smoke. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> we got our green hits, because like I said, we're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. So Danny, what is this, Jay, that you brought for me today? Nice. I don't know if we've ever brought this one over. I mean, if we have, it's been probably a hot minute ago, but... Once again, no coincidence, stopped by Flower, picked up a strain called Cap Junkie, which is a hybrid strain. It's a 50-50 split right down the middle. With that being said, it is created through crossing the iconic Cushman strain and the Alien Cookie strain. And with that, you get a super high-powered hybrid with relaxing yet active effects. So with this one over at Flower, the THC, you know, total uh, cannabinoids or cannabinoids, it's like 34% with the total terpenes coming in at about 1.27%. The most dominant terpenes in this profile are going to be your limonene coming in at about 0.49%. Pinene's coming in at about 1.6%, followed by linalool at about 0.25%. A little bit of myrcene, a little bit of humulene, and a little bit of karyophylline. And most of the flavors on this are going to be a little bit of mix of diesel and flowery with some fruity menthol and pine notes. And the aromas are roughly the same. And the effects on this just like any other weed strain, you're going to get a little happy, hungry, relaxed, mm -hmm. all that fun stuff. So, yeah. What was the genetics of that one again, did you say? Cushmints and Alien Cookies. Oh, that's neat. So, what I have for you today is Alien OG. Ah, nice. Hell yeah. Which is a cross between Alien Kush and Tahoe OG. Nice. Hell yeah. Let's see. It's coming in about 33.1% total cannabinoids. Terps, 1.4-ish percent, with the most being myrcene, followed by limonene and pinene after that. Nice. You know, if you look it up on, like, Leafly, it describes the flavor as being kind of a lemon and pine OG. I don't get either of those very strongly from it. I kind of just get a standard kind of, I was going to say skunky, but not... Not like skunk smell, no. just like your standard kind of weed. If it is in any of those former ones that you mentioned, it's like very subtle because it's like I can see maybe a little bit of the pine. Maybe a little bit of the maybe pine. Maybe a little bit, but it's not like exaggerated. Like you're not going to really taste it per se, you know. No, it's kind of – it doesn't have an earthy taste, mm -mm. but it's kind of just an earthy overall feel to it that's a good way to describe it yeah it's kind of just a, a darker smoke taste yeah and for an indica too it's pretty smooth mm -hmm. so. <laughs> i do love that it says though on leafly it's intense high combines heavy body effects and a psychedelic cerebral buzz i'm down it's a decent heavy hitter i've been smoking on it some this weekend i think for psychedelic cerebral buzz if you're going to go to Flower, they have some duct tape right now that's going to get you there a lot more than this Alien OG, but, you know, it's a good little indica. I guess I guess I can see where they're coming from on it, because, like, if you're already tired and you're smoking this, oh man, yeah, and you look at, like, a textured wall, it's going to creep a little bit, which you don't normally get from a lot of weed. That's a good but point. I'm going to tell you right now, from having experienced it a couple times this week, if you're already tired is the, the key point, like... You're just hitting it in the middle of the day. You ain't going to have that shit. Towards the end of the night. Yeah. yeah. It's like 10 at night. You're just having like your last day of the day. You're half asleep on the fucking couch anyway. 
you look over at your fucking textured wall or something, it's going to start creeping. Ah, there it is. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I see it. I see it. It's one of the only times when I've heard somebody describe weed as slightly psychedelic that I actually understand. Nice. I guess that's it for our green hits. Right, remind everybody to go check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash fried squirms. At the lowest level, you could listen to this last week. Highest level, you can talk to us on the Discord. And that nice medium zone... You get all of our Patreon-only episodes where we've been taking lookbacks at our catalog. Some of these movies we haven't seen in six years now. It's been a lot of fun going back and putting our, I was going to say fresh eyes on them, but our fucking red slitted eyes on them. I <laughs> know, right? Our seasoned eyes. Yeah, our now old man eyes. <laughs> We're fucking using the magnifying God. feature on the goddamn TV to do the correct options. You're not kidding, man. Subtitles always on. <laughs> yeah. Those those never come off now. <laughs> but I guess with that, let's get to the guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. All right. Guts and bolts. Who and what went into the making of this movie? Spoiler free. And just to set it up in case you don't know what the movie's about. Zombies. Hey... Recent find of chemicals that caused the actual event, big air quotes, actual event of Night of the Living Dead has stuck around. And some people happen upon it, and it's not good. Because zombies. I mean, there you go, right? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right, so we do like to talk about the cast and crew from week to week. And this week is a gentleman we've actually talked about before, not because of his director credits, because of his writing credits. And that gentleman is Dan O'Bannon. Now, as far as his directing credits, I think he did a short before this, and there was an unreleased film that he directed called The Resurrected. So good luck finding that one if it hasn't been released yet. But some of the writers on this project include Rudy Ricci, Russell Steiner, and John Russo. Now, John Russo, interesting guy. He actually helped write the original Night of the Living Dead, right? Now, all three combined have written the scripts for The Devil and Sam Silverstein, The Liberation of Cherry Janowski. And with Dan O'Bannon, we talked about him way back on episode 67 because he helped write Alien. Mm -hmm. We also talked about him on episode 178 because he helped on Invaders from Mars. Yes. We also talked about him on episode 248 because of Life Force. And another really cool credit is he wrote Total Recall. Interest. Okay, that's fucking dope. First off, I know, I know that we've mentioned that before because of his other times that he's popped up. <laughs> but interesting tidbit with the connection to Life Force, Toby Hooper was originally approached to do this movie. Yeah, he sure was. So he yeah, turned it down. To so do he could Life do Life Force, Force. <laughs> <laughs> which is you know that's neat. Yeah, that's really interesting stories going into this film. Okay, so cinematographer on this is Jules Brenner. A few things of note from him. He was a DP on Johnny Got His Gun. He was also the DP on the film Dillinger, Evil Knievel, Cornbread Earl and Me, Helter Skelter, Salem's Lot, and a little film I used to watch back in the day, Teen Wolf 2. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Editor on this is Robert Gordon. A few things I've known from him. He helped with The Blue Lagoon, the film North Shore, 
Toy Story, Stuart Little 3, Call of the Wild. All right, music was composed by Matt Clifford. This is really the only thing of note from him. Special effects on this were done by Fantasy 2 Film Effects. Image 3, they helped with the optical effects. Makeup effects, laboratories, and Pacific Film Title helped with the title and opticals and wizards effects helped on this. Produced by Tom Fox and Graham Henderson. We have production companies Cinema 84, Fox Films, and Hemdale. The distributor on this was Orion Pictures. They helped for the 1985 United States theatrical release. Release date was August 15th, 1985 here in the States. Had an estimated budget of about $4 million, grossed about $14.2 million at the box office. And the tagline I've got is, they're back from the grave and ready to party. So I think this might be the best part to explain the link, if people don't know. Like, mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Return of the Living Dead. Russo and Romero work together on Night of the Living Dead. Going forward, Russo retained the rights to the Living Dead. Absolutely. Romero didn't right which is why all of his are of the dead exactly dawn of the dead land of the dead all of those interesting side note to russo retaining the living dead rights he wrote a sequel to night of the living dead called return of the living dead it isn't this movie no no, no. he also wrote the novelization of this movie which means he has written two books called Return of the Living Dead right. that have completely different plots. That's really interesting because something happened along the way where he was going to do something with the return, the original format, mm-hmm. yeah. And Romero was like, "Hold on, wait a minute," <laughs> you know. So that's when I guess they came to their terms on you know which which one is going to use what, like you were mm-hmm. mentioning earlier. And yeah, once they started pitching around that idea, you said Toby Hooper was originally attached to it because of Life Force. He had to back out. And he's like, zombies? Nah. Yeah. Make it space vampires. Exactly. Why not? Right. So yeah, there's some really cool, interesting little side nuggets on, you know, why Dan O'Bannon ultimately took this project on, not just mm-hmm. writing, but directing as well. All right. So moving into our cast, I want to lead off with Clue Gulliger plays the role of Burt Wilson. Right? Now, this gentleman's got some really cool credits. He starred way back in a television series from 1963 through 1968 called The Virginian. Right? He was also in The Last Picture Show, which I highly recommend. That's an awesome film. He was in A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two: Freddy's Revenge. He was in Tapeheads, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. He was in all of the Feast films, Feast 1 through 3, Piranha 3 Double D, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right, I've got James Karen plays the role of Frank Johnson. We actually talked about him back on episode 178 because he was in Invaders from Mars. He's also in the films Capricorn 1, The Jazz Singer. He was in The Poltergeist, The Return of the Living Dead Part 2. He was in The Unborn, Congo, Nixon, The App Pupil, Mulholland Drive, and The Pursuit of Happiness. A lot of fucking films. All right, we've got Don Kalfa plays the role of Ernie Colton Bruner. Okay. A few things I've known from him. He was in the film Foul Play. The Postman Always Rings Twice. He was also in the films Treasure of the Moon Goddess. And Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. I knew I recognized him from somewhere. Uh, a few other films I've known. He was in Copper Chicks and Zombie Town, the film Bugsy, and Progeny. 
All right, we've got Tom Matthews, guy we've actually talked about before, but he plays the role of Freddie Hanscom in this film. We talked about him way back on episode 224. That was Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Liz, when we had Charlotte McCorn on. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. He was also in Return of the Living Dead, part two, the film Blood Match, and the film Nemesis. All right, a few other people of note. We've got Beverly Randolph. She plays the role of Tina. All right, we actually talked about her. Once again, because she was in Death House, oh, episode right. 95. All right. She was in the film No Solicitors and Sacred Grounds Forbidden. All right. We've got Linnea Quigley, someone that once again we've talked about several times before, but she plays the role of Trash. We talked about her way back on episode 143 when we did Silent Night, Deadly Night. We also talked about her on episode 182 when we reviewed Night of the Demons. A few other things of note from her because she's got quite the laundry list of films. She was in Graduation Day from 1981, Nice Dreams, and Still Smoking, Cheech and Chong films, right? Sorority Babes in the Slime Bowl Bolorama. Yeah. Uh, she was in A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Master, where she was a soul that was trapped in Freddy's chest, <laughs> for those who are curious. Uh, the Giver, also featuring fucking Jeffrey Combs as Dr. East. Yes. Is, was it Mark Hamill? Is he in mm-hmm. that? Gosh, that's funny. She was also uncredited in Phantoms. Yo, Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. That's what I keep saying to everybody. Yeah, and just uh, she's a legend. Let's put it that way. She's a screen queen. So if you look throughout her filmography, you're going to see a ton of kind of like B. Oh, she was even in the remake of Night of the Demons. Yeah. Was it 2009? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, she's been in a ton of films. She's also in the documentary In Search of Darkness. I believe the first, but I know for certain the second one. Okay. Moving ahead, we've got Miguel Nunez, plays the role of Spider. Now, another gentleman, really interesting film credits once we start kind of listing them off, right? Holy shit. Yeah, that's Joanna, man, first and foremost. But he was also in Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, which is the fifth Friday the 13th. He was also in Harlem Nights, right? He was in Lethal Weapon Part 3. He was in Street Fighter as DJ... He was in Leprechaun Part 4, <laughs> In Space. <laughs> uh, slam Dunk Ernest. Yeah, Nutty Professor Part 2, right? The Adventures of Pluto Nash. I know we've talked about that before. Kicking into Old School, Black, Black Dynamite. Dynamite. Two movies, I can't recommend that enough. Christmas and Compton, The Accidental Spy, tons of television as well. So really cool seeing him in this. All right, we've got John Feldman plays the role of Chuck. A few things to know from him. He was in Children of the Corn. North Shore Point Break in the film Tombstone. And Jewel Shepard plays the role of Casey. So those two are kind of together in the film, like when they get split up. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So she was in the film Raw Force. She was also in the film Christina. She was in the film Caged Heat Part 2, Stripped of Freedom. And she voiced, I believe, the character Shannon and Garfield and Friends for two episodes back in 92 and 94. All right, we've got Marg Venturini, plays the role of Suicide. He was also in Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. He was also in Charles in Charge for a few episodes back in 87 and 88. (laughs) He was in the films Nom Angels, Mikey, and Out of Sync. All right, we've got Brian Peck, plays the role of Scuzz. All right, one of those guys, right? Unfortunately, I will say he's been in some really cool films, just really unfortunate his background, Mm. you know. So, with that being said, I'll go through his film notes and then I'll make that disclaimer. So, he was also in Return of the Living Dead Part Two, he was in The Last American Virgin, really good film, man. He was in a few episodes of Growing Pains back in the day, 
Return of the Living Dead Part 3, Children of the Corn Part 3. And then I think our generation of people are going to know him because he was in Good Burger, Keenan and Kel, Boy Meets World. He was in X-Men and X-Men Part 2. He was also in All That as the pickle guy or pickle boy. Mm. Uh-huh. And then like the sweet life of Zack and Cody. So what I'm getting at is he was in a lot of Nickelodeon shit back in the 90s. And the disclaimer is, is that he is a convicted pedophile, more specifically with a, an actor we've actually talked about before. So I'm like, oh, God damn. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but he is in this film. All right. We've got Jonathan Terry plays the role of Colonel Glover, another guy we've actually talked about before. Halloween 3. Right? Season of the Witch. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Stark? Starker? Uh, Starker. Yeah. He was also in Return of the Living Dead Part 2 and a little comedy called Still Waiting. <laughs> that was really cool. All right, we've got Alan Troutman plays the role of Tarman Zombie in this. He's famous as shit, but not necessarily for acting. No, he's more of a, a puppeteer. Yeah. Right? And, and it's mostly Jim for, Henson company, I was so. going to say, yeah. So it's not necessarily like we'll see him per se, but probably his voice and his puppeteer work, which is really neat. All right. So with that being said, we've got one other person, and that is Sherry Davis. She voices the female half-corpse in the film. Right? A few things of note from her. She was in I Never Promised You a Rose Garden, and she voiced Woody Woodpecker in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, no shit. That's yeah. cool. It's like, that's really cool. So that rounds out our cast and crew. There's some other people in this film, but it's mostly like, you know, some little side characters here and there. But regardless, you gave us a brief setup. Should give our listeners some warnings. Okay, warnings. There are some blood and gore. Right. Um, Without a doubt. Language, of course. Maybe not as much as you would expect. No, considering. Like there, there are like, <laughs> yeah, for the time period it came out in and like sort of the style of film that it's kind of aping, it's not as much blood and gore as you would expect. I agree. There are that. still scenes of like people chomping into people's heads, but like the chomping part is pretty tame. No, we've seen... A lot worse, especially from that time period as well. And you don't actually see much when they're eating the brains because of, like, the angles used and stuff. Solid point. And there's a lot of very obvious not people. <laughs> yeah. In the Like, it's very obvious <laughs> dummies in a couple of those scenes. That's a solid point, too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. There's some the, nudity. I was about to say, the to biggest say warning is probably that Linnea Quigley yeah. is pretty much naked most of the movie. Yeah, the majority of her scenes, without a doubt. She's wearing clothes for, like, the first three minutes that say, she's yeah. on screen, and that's a, about it. That's about it. Yeah, exactly. That's about it. So that is a disclaimer. No, that kind of covers it for the most yeah. part. It's like we've been on this run, so if those who don't know, <laughs> they should know by now. Jesus. It's, I mean, as far as violence and gore goes, yeah. it's probably the least of this run. That's, that's a solid point, too. That is a very solid point. If you've seen or listened to us talk about Blood Quantum and yeah. Train to Busan. <laughs> then you've already seen far worse, worse than this is probably going to give you. Mm-hmm. In terms of, yeah, like gore and whatnot. So I guess that's where we have to leave the warnings at. And we can get into how Return of the Living Dead made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? You know, I was the one planning on when we started recording, and I realized I probably could have lit this before we started recording, but I'm just going to include it on here. So It's apt. 
All right, Return of the Living Dead, <laughs> another one of these films that upon watching it all at once, I realized I had never seen it all at once. All right. I do have a little bit of a history. It's not like much of one, but it's one of those films from way back when I probably should not have been watching it. But my Uncle Paul, he would, <laughs> he would like, especially on the weekends, like we would get popcorn, you know, so like a Friday night, sometimes Saturday night. We'd either rent a film or just check out whatever HBO or Cinemac was playing. And I remember watching this one because there's some scenes that are like, you know, kind of seared into your memory. But yeah, I remember watching this one probably when I was like seven or eight for the first time. Mm. And I'd seen it a few times since, but probably not within the last decade or so. The reason I think I have never seen all of this is that any time I would have seen it would have been an edited-for-TV version. Oh, that's a solid point. Which means you can only show so much Linnea Quigley. That's like, I could see this being on USA. Mm-hmm. Probably even like TNT or TBS. I was about to say, day. I'm pretty sure I saw it on TBS at some point. I can definitely see that. Maybe not. Maybe somebody will be like, they never showed it on well, TBS. But it, I feel fucking positive that they did at some point. It's like, considering Joe Bob and, and mm-hmm. you know... All that stuff. I'm like, ah, there's probably a chance he did, or it was. I know that I've seen, like, everything having to do with the Tar Man multiple times. Yeah. At this point, it's even a meme now, you know, so you can't help but recognize it, even if you're not familiar with the film. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know if I'd ever seen it just all at once. That's cool. So that was kind of neat to, like, yeah, finally yeah. check it off the list and... Like, cool. I guess now I can say that. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was able to say that beforehand, but... No, it's definite now. now. Now, for sure, I've seen it three times in the past two weeks, so... No, see, for me, that's fun, too, because there's been some films like that with me, too, where I'm like, no, i definitely only seen, like, bits and pieces. Never mm-hmm. all the way through. But we can knock it off the list once again. Mm-hmm. It's fun. All at once. Yeah. I can say with, you know, before even recording this, like, I knew it was a decent, you know, decent movie. Yeah. But... Finally getting to see it all at once. I like it. Once again, like we we were discussing last time around, zombies in general just sort of don't do it for me. But these ones are a little bit more interesting. Mm -hmm. I kind of had forgotten some of the details of the Return of the Living Dead zombies. I knew that they were smarter and could talk. Yes. I couldn't remember why. Like I for completely forgot that they're not Likewise. that they're like chemical zombies or like science zombies. Yeah, and that was I, I knew that, but I didn't I couldn't remember the extent of you know their involvement with the government and all that other nonsense. But now I mean now I do, and it makes a lot more sense when you when you're older and then you're like oh, okay, you know what they're doing with the trioxin, mm-hmm. you know, and Daro and all that other stuff. And plus, this film now is fucking almost forty years old. So (laughs) wild to think about. And I had never put this together when we had done some of the older zombie movies. This is the first example of zombies going for brains. Yes. And it started that whole brains. I'm not going to say phenomena, even though I just did. It is. I mean, it is though. Like that's what we think of with zombies is brains. Right. I mean, even if, if, for some reason, like, with, like, a Frankenstein gate, but, like... Yeah, no, that's funny, because that's... At this point, it's kind of synonymous, mm-hmm. you know, when you think zombies, and what do they go after? Brains? Why? I don't know. 
But if you've watched this movie, you do know. Yes. And it's fucking terrifying. This is the worst version of a zombie to be. You're like, oh, no, because it's, yeah, it's it's not fun for them either. No. <laughs> Look, so this, this gets into some details of the movie, and normally we kind of go in order, but fuck it. Like, I think the most intriguing thing about this movie, it's fine. Yeah, like, the no, comedy's yeah, on I, point, I the action's on point. For the time period, it does things super memorable, I feel like, but in, yeah. like, the grand scheme of things, it doesn't have things that super stand out. No, other not than, necessarily that. Other than just how good Tarman looks. Yeah, I would agree with that. Which, he looks kind of fakey, but it's, like, a stylized way, which you kind of forgive. Yeah, it has, like, a graphic novel kind of feel. Mm-hmm. And not to jump off too, like, too far off a tangent, but... Some of the art direction was inspired by like EC Comics and certain artists who depicted skeletons or decaying bodies in a certain manner, and he liked that. And then it started making me wonder, like, shit, I wonder how much this inspired like heavy metal bands and stuff from that time period too. Oh yeah, shit, I'm sure a bit. Like Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tarman and Eddie have a lot in common. I feel like, but. But how much, I don't know, pers- you know, exactly. like, I, I don't, I really don't I'm, know. I'm positive in saying that Eddie predates him, but. Yeah, and I, I kind of feel the same way, but I, I can't help but feel like, regardless, like, that art, at least, inspired things at that time. It reminds me of, like, Anthrax. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. But here's, what I find most interesting is the zombies in this movie, because they are so different than yeah. most other zombies. We have seen a range of fast and slow zombies, but almost without a doubt, like almost two a one in all these other zombie movies we've watched. When you're a zombie, you're basically gone. You know what I mean? Solid point. Like you're dead. It's no longer you. No, there's nothing left of you except for the frame, I suppose. Yeah. And it's whatever the the sickness, the, you know, whatever it is that's causing that zombie. It's, you know, uh, with the exception, I guess, of voodoo zombies. Mm. Yeah. But otherwise, like, no, they're dead. You don't have to think about them as people anymore because yeah. they're just this this hungry force that just exists now. These are turning living dead zombies. Not only can they think, communicate, <laughs> use reason, use tools. I know, dude, that's scary. Fuck with you. <laughs> but then you get the explanation of why they go after brains. Yeah. <laughs> And that makes it tragic. It really does. In a really kind of lighthearted, funny movie. Yes. Has very trauma-ish vibes. Once again, I would agree with that. Doesn't go quite as hard as trauma does. No. But it it tinkers with it. Yeah. But the vibes are all the same. Like, they're in the same wavelength. They know what they're doing. You get this explanation of the zombies where it fucking hurts to be dead. They can feel themselves rotting. Like, Do you know oh. what rigor mortis feels like when you can feel it? It's like an all-over body cramp. Ugh. be terrifying, man. And the only thing that interrupts it for a little bit is getting the endorphin rush from eating a living brain. Yep. You're like, ugh. <laughs> what a fucking trade-off. Mm-hmm. That's wild. And, yeah, it makes these zombies super tragic. You understand why they're doing what they do. Now, they still kind of leave it up in the air how they get to a point where they just intrinsically know that they have to eat brains. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it it feels like it's kind of hardwired into the zombie biology because Homeboy at the end is like even yelling like, I can smell your brain. So, yeah, it's 
It's all, like you said, they don't give a solid explanation, but you know, it's reason enough, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And now we know why zombies eat brains. Because apparently it fucking sucks being a zombie. Not that I'm like super curious, but I think it's still an interesting question. And like, I wonder how much that started like a whole nother either ethos of, you know, storytelling for that, you know, mm-hmm. with the, the, the pain and the hunger for the brains and what it does and why kind of like how they're explaining it here. Or if it was just like, no, it was just, you know, we can use that foundation, but still tell our own little narrative. Right. I don't know. Because I, look, I've, I've read the zombie survival handbook. I can't remember if Max Brooks gives a reason why zombies go after brains. I feel like that book went in depth enough that it probably did. And I'm just forgetting because it's been 15 years yeah, since I read it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but no, it's, it's still interesting. Like some of these, you know, ideas and concepts that come out of reviewing films like this, it's like, okay, you know, it starts to make sense for why things came after. And, you know, like, oh, this is the launching pad for all of that. Guess where it gets even more tragic. You can't just headshot them. No, that is fucked, isn't it? It's like, yeah, no, the body, even if you lop the head off, like the body's still going to come after you or. It's still going to at least be in motion. Exactly. It's still look. Yeah, it's it's still fucked. Body parts, all of that. You have to completely eradicate. Oh, however. (laughs) That's also a bad idea. If it happens to rain while that smokes up in the air, because then you're just spreading the chemical around. I, I, I. I was watching a review, and they brought up a good question, too. Because I don't know if it fully explains it in the film. Maybe that's the part I, I was not paying attention to. But did the fumes from the crematorium, you know, the incinerator, mm-hmm. did the smoke itself cause the rain, or was it in the forecast already, and it just happened to mix? It kind of seemed like it was in the forecast already. Okay. Yeah, it's like, because I, I don't know. And not that it's, like, it's super important. It's just, like, maybe it's coincidental, you know. And I'm wondering how big of a dose you have to get for it to. Yeah, because that shit look like, man, if you take a bong rips off that, oh boy, you get the whole town lit. <laughs> because depending on the dose needed, like all of those survivors might have been fucked from the minute that they were caught out in the rain. Yeah, once it starts to get on you and stuff, it's getting in your pores. Because, okay, so here's the interesting thing going into the movie and kind of going into like the inciting incident to sort of skip over the jokey intro, rigor mortis and, like, all the other things take a little bit to start setting in, usually a few hours. So if you take into account the fact that, what were their names? Frank and... Freddy. Frank and Freddy. Um, yeah, Frank and Freddy get knocked out by the gas in when they accidentally open up the container. They probably didn't get knocked out. They're probably dead from that moment on. Yeah. That's a solid point. And there's some more uh, evidence to support that. For instance, once they get Bert involved, Mm -hmm. right? And they, you know, (laughs) you can't help but notice that there's the fucking guy in that walk-in cooler is reanimated and is making all the noise and whatnot. The first person he goes after is Bert. Bert, not the other two. Right, even though they're standing right there. So that lets you know that like you were saying, they're probably already dead at that point because he's going for fresh brains. Mm-hmm. They ain't got fresh brains anymore. No, they don't. <laughs> because that's something else Arguably, they talk about. Arguably, those two's like, brains weren't fresh to it begin starts, with. They say it starts in the brain, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's like, oh, okay. So those little details like that help explain some of the other stuff that's going on in the film. Yeah. Which I think it's that's solid because Dan O'Bannon himself, he's even admitted he's like he's kind of a perfectionist and at that time he was kind of an asshole to work with because of I that. I can see that. Yeah. And this was his first major film he did by himself, you know, in terms of directing and all that other stuff. Yeah, so you have the added pressure of not wanting to fuck it up. Yeah, and he said he said, I went to the uh film school at USC and at that time period it's like they stress the auteur aspect of directors, like they have to do everything. Mm-hmm. And so he said he was like stepping on a lot of toes because he was trying to tell this department how to do it and this department. And so he was stepping on a lot of toes in this project. Gotcha. Yeah. But you know, it still worked out. It's just, it worked out. It's, it was just, a, it was a tough go. Let's put it that way. The more you watch this movie, there's a lot of little attention to detail that I think that kind of perfectionism added to this. And it's not even just like continuity type detail. It's like little funny jokes and shit. I agree with that too. Like I, how many people, how many people do you think have watched this movie and never noticed the fucking, what the eye chart says in the background? Yeah, I know. Right. Like it, it has because it's all because it's fucking Bert is a slave driver and a cheapskate son of a bitch or something like Mm. that. Or, you know, if you're really not paying attention, the whole uh, Ernie character, his German background, mm. you know, it's it's kind of intimate, and they've even mentioned it too, Bannon and others, that he's like, yeah, he's more than likely a Nazi, <laughs> <laughs> taking, you know, some uh, shelter in this morgue. Right. Yeah, but he's still, you know, he's got, if you look in the background, there's like a poster of Hitler and... He's singing stuff, or he's listening to German music. He's saying little phrases in German. It's like, okay, there's that. Yeah, there's a lot of little detail that makes this movie extremely rich for how simple Gosh, of a fucking man. movie it is. I know, and that, I think that's what adds to, like, the cult, you know, I won't say fanaticism, but, you know, there, there's that cult aspect of this film. Even though, like I so said, now it's, Everybody should. If you're a horror fan, you probably know of it, even if you haven't seen it, right? It's been around that long. Mm-hmm. But it still adds to that, man. Like some of the things we've talked about already the character of Tarman and then Linnea Quigley's character and all this other stuff. That was wild. Once, like I said, if I had ever seen all of this movie, it was a TV cut. So, like, you're not Linnea, all that stuff, right? So, Linnea Quigley's bit. Fucking surprised the shit out of me. I, I know, right? Because you're like, wow. Because I'm just like, oh shit, it's Linnea Quigley. Wow, she's naked. She's just gonna stay naked? Did you hear this story about? She's just staying naked this entire movie. <laughs> Did you hear about the producer who came on set Mm-mm. for when? Oh yeah, for her tombstone dance. Oh shit, no. Oh yeah. So this is really interesting, and you know, at this point, it's it's kind of uh, public knowledge, but regardless, a producer, I can't remember which one, happened to be on set, right? for that scene. And he was taken aback by the fact that she had pubic hair. And he's like, we can't show that. She's got pubic hair, right? Mm. So they got Lenny quickly to shave her pubic hair, right? And she wasn't really all of that to begin with. And then they brought her back out and he became even more like, we can't show that. It's like, she's, compl- you can see everything is basically what he said. You can see everything. So they made a cod piece for her. Okay. To make it look like a Barbie doll, essentially, like the front. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, in the film, you're not really seeing anything, but everything else, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Right. It kind of looks like you're seeing something, but you're not. No, no, no. At least not the bottom bits, you know, let's put it that way. But yeah, I mean, she was from there on out, she was completely nude. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, Jesus. Yeah, that's just, it's, it's fucking weird. It's like, no, we don't want her showing her hair. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, we made this worse. Yeah. It's like, do you not realize you got Brian Peck on set? <laughs> <laughs> so all jokes aside, though, that's just kind of like some of the shit that happens. You know what I mean? So this isn't just about this movie. Right. This is kind of these characters in general across a number of different movies. Whenever you have the sort of troublemaker chaotic group that goes wherever they want and parties wherever they want at any time. There's one thing that bugs me. Yeah. And it's, it was apparent in this, like it jumped out at me in this movie, but this is definitely not the only one. These motherfuckers would get caught all the time. Oh, they stand on like a sore thumb. Like I've, I've hung out with people that do like to do chaotic shit. Like I had some roommates that we used to occasionally have Molotov cocktail nights. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. Like you go, we, you know, save up bottles and save up a little bit of extra cash to go fill said bottles with gasoline, go out in the middle of the woods and like abandon fucking train tunnels and shit and launch them against walls and shit. Yeah. Just for the hell of it, man. So, you know, going and hanging out in graveyards like they're doing that sort of shit. Like I've done that with people. (laughs) Yeah. You do that. By not being extremely obvious about everything that you're fucking doing so that you're immediately bringing the cops down on you. I know. Like, you'd be a little bit obvious because, like, you're trying to be a little bit extra. But when you're to that extent, like, all you're doing is getting the cops called on you in 15 it's minutes. Like, yeah, it's like it's immediately shut down because you're standing out so much. You have to, like, ride a line if you're going to be that kind of fucking chaotic person. Because you want to be able to keep doing your shit. Yeah, without being fucking obvious about it. That should be the obvious thing. Yeah. It's like, don't be obvious. And I'm not talking like the obvious of like they're obviously punks walking No, around. no, no. That, yeah, no. We're talking about the behavior aspect and the loudness and just like everything else. Not even caring who's around, knocking the lock off the fucking graveyard, leaving right. the fucking gates wide open, that it's sort like, of shit. That's you how doing? you get your shit shut down immediately. Precisely. What more can you say about that? I'm not trying to shit on this movie. This happens all the time. It does. It does. And at that point, too, you wonder if it's, if it's more of a trope or if it's, they're just playing on the stereotype or whatever. They're just not even thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, too, because, like, like, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of interviews. Like, I know some of these writers came from backgrounds where they also used to do chaotic shit. Oh, I'd imagine so, man. Why else would... Uh, where do these ideas come from, if not for... Right. Some chaos, a little bit of chaos. And so I don't get why, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's like that carefree aspect of it, too. It's like, I don't give a fuck. And I get and I get, get maybe you're blowing up aspects to, you know, to 11 so that you're really getting the point across. Yeah. Or you're just having some fun. Because, like, this is like a horror comedy. Like Right. And so there's going to be a little aloofness, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. It's one of those things where it always kind of breaks it for me a little bit because I'm like, yeah, motherfuckers are just getting the cops called on you in 15 minutes. That's all that's happening. Yeah, right that, now. No, I agree there, too. But I think, like you said, it's it's probably more or less just the the attitude too. it's like, whatever, who gives a fuck? Right. You know, if you want to have a party in a graveyard, you sneak into the graveyard. 
Yeah, it's like, hey, I know a... Then you, like, you start the part. <laughs> that's usually how it is. There's a guy who knows another way in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's usually how it's written. Not always, but you know. You sneak in, then you start the party. That's the You don't start the party take. on the way there. <laughs> not, especially not at the entrance. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, especially not with fucking suicide driving and no. trying to turn around and fucking get snake and shit. It's like, Jesus, man. Yeah, so it's it's wild, dude. But I agree with that. Did you? I think they dropped in a little bit of a fucking racial joke in that scene, too. Kind of down low. I don't know if I was paying much attention to it. Did you write it down, or what was said? Like, uh, not Snake, Spider. Okay. So, so Spider, what's his, like, his actual background, is he just Latino, or is he Afro-Latino? Ooh, that's a good point. Because he presents more black in this movie than he does Latino. Yeah, I think in most of the early films he was in, he presents more as, you know, as an African-American guy. So, yeah, he's he's African-American, Dominican descent. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, okay. he's Afro-Latinx. In this movie, he's cast because he's presented black. Mm-hmm. And fucking, when they're rolling in, and Suicide's like, why you motherfuckers only ever hit me up when you want to ride somewhere? And Spider's like, it's because you're a spooky motherfucker. <laughs> and he's like, you're a spooky motherfucker. <laughs> I know what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I caught that. I know you motherfuckers say that in the movie in this time period. I know what your guys are getting at, but it's yeah. really quick too. I see what you're saying. It, it's not necessarily subtle, but if you're if you're not really paying attention, then it's like, oh goddamn, yeah, I know what you're saying. I got it as soon as you said that. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> yeah, I definitely I wasn't paying attention to it, but damn. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It made me laugh a little bit because I'm like, I see what you guys motherfucking yeah. In there. They probably like, like sneak that one in there. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, there's a little look. Well, okay, I I see what you did. I'm gonna say I laughed because it's actually kind of clever turnaround. Yeah, especially if you're already in your in your friend group where you know you can fucking rib at each other. That's just fucking clever turnaround. <laughs> Well, so that's just one of those who's like, yeah, you got me. <laughs> you got me good. You know, because it is. It's like a play on words, basically. Mm-hmm. You know? As fucked up as it is, it's still a play on words. Fuck. Dude, there's some good fucking lines in this movie, though. No, I think that's... Like the job. <laughs> Even um, how this film is framed from the get-go, like... It's not taking itself serious, even though it's like everything in this film is true. Everybody, everything. <laughs> it's absolutely real. You're like, what? No. <laughs> you know, so it's already setting up and using the, like, the time stamps mm-hmm. for what's going on in the film. He said he used some of that because it was inspired by what John Carpenter was doing, I think, for that time period oh, with certain okay. films and shit. So he's like, yeah, I'll just borrow this, a little bit of that. I can see that. Now that you say that, this movie does have the pacing of a Carpenter movie. I was like, well, yeah, it makes sense. I mean... We've kind of danced around the actual plot and been talking about like the cool shit about this movie, but that's because once the zombies start happening, it's kind of straightforward. It's just right. like try to stay alive. It, it does turn into a survival game at that point. And I guess another thing I appreciate about this movie is that they are the ones that accidentally make this worse, but it's not because they're being stupid. No, they're so trying they to use better. the resources at their disposal to try to do what seems best. Yeah, try to mitigate the harm already. Yeah, because legitimately, if I have access to a crematorium, 
then I'm yeah, probably going to try to get body. rid of a fucking body by yes. cremating it. Yeah, one. I mean, especially one that's already dead, you yeah. know, quote unquote. There's no reason for that to seem like a stupid idea. No, it's more bad luck than anything. It's yeah, it's in, in a interesting way. It is a little cosmic horror esque because of that. Like they they're already involved in a predicament that once you know once those events start rolling, it's like it's you're fucked. There's yeah. nothing else you can do at that point, regardless of all the actions you like, take. Skip to the end. The plan that the government has in place for this event yeah. is even, bomb the fucking place. Even they don't realize the fallout mixed is, yeah. with the rain, what that causes. It's just, oh, no, you've created even more chaos now. And that's kind of the humor behind the, like the dark humor and the tragedy at the mm -hmm. same time, you know? Super tragedy, because we know what all those zombies are going through thanks to this movie. Yeah, like, so you're making it worse, not only yeah for the living, but for the dead. The thing that doesn't make sense is that the zombies retain intelligence, even though most of them have been made zombies by having their brains eaten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also love <laughs> that, for whatever reason, the... Um, <clears throat> that's, that's a good point. The other thing that is ridiculous, but I kind of love just because it... It's very much the stylization of these movies is that for some unknown reason, no matter how long a body's been sitting in a graveyard, when it gets resurrected by the chemicals, it has eyes again. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. Your eyes stay there. And even if you're a skeleton, you can move. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, you got to explain that to me. <laughs> that makes no sense. No. At no. least... Even decaying muscles, it makes sense because at least they're there. Yes, yes. And so that's why with with <laughs> films like this, right, it's like, man, yeah, you do have to suspend your disbelief, of course, because it, it's not based in reality. But if it were, none of this shit would make sense anyway mm -hmm. because for the same reason we just said. It's like there's not going to be a fucking corpse, let alone a skeleton, jumping out the grave, moving around and doing all those things. Especially not with its eyes still. No, I was like, get the f not get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but it's great stylization. No, I one hundred percent agree. It you yes. always know what you're looking at. The zombies' faces are so expressive in the Living yeah, Dead movies. I, I really do enjoy that too. And thinking too, why he decided not just you know Banna, but everybody else on board, it's because they wanted to pay homage to Romero. And not try to, you know, duplicate what he's already done. It's like, no, nah, we're going to do it our way and still pay homage. You know, hence why they dropped that expo at the beginning of the film. Look, like, Romero's fucking Godfather of the Dead. I don't think, but I think we need to include Russo more in that conversation. Yeah, I would agree, too. Being that he wrote. Being that he was co-writer to begin with. And that this film brings in brains. Yeah. Brains is fucking huge when it comes to zombies. You know, in terms of the whole ethos of the movie zombie, you know, and then what it spawned since then. Yeah, it's really interesting to think that, like, how this was entered a later on. Because what? Extremely late. What, what was it? 68, something like that? Yeah. When, for Night Of? Mm-hmm. So you're looking at 20 plus years later, 27 years, almost 30 years later, right? And then you drop that in, and that now it's Changes 40 years. the game from there. It forward. really has, and not just in terms of the brains, but in terms of the movement. And like I said, they don't always incorporate the intelligence part of it, 
but the movement in terms of being faster and going for the brains, that's two new things that stills play today. I feel, yeah. Well, and here's the fun thing. I was thinking about this a little bit earlier. If you have like a sliding scale where on one end is Romero zombie mm. and on the other end is deadite, oh, these damn. fall kind of right in the middle. I like that. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I do. That's very solid, man. That would be a fun like sliding scale game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Categorize all the zombies from Romero zombie <laughs> to Deadite. I mean, you know, might not be for us, but for maybe some of our fans. The problem is most of them are going to fall closer more towards to Romero. Romero zombie. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that too. Because the biggest difference once you get past Return of the Living Dead is just how intelligent they are. Yeah. And yeah. how supernatural they are. I was going to say, there is that supernatural, but then it takes more, I guess, toward deadites, more like demonic, mm -hmm. where I don't know how... Because I think, like, like let's say, Dawn of the Dead remake Fast Zombies, or, mm. like, 28 Days Later Zombies, still are closer to the Romero side, because agree. they're not really intelligent. No. Um, yeah. They're more reactive. Mm-hmm. That's solid. But I think it's still a fun, you know, game that you could play or concept and ideas, yeah. It gives you a better basis for which side it leans on. So there's still not much of this, like, the actual events of this movie that no, we've talked about much because, yeah, zombies happen. Like It's a pretty straightforward film. It's like it's no huge surprises outside of what you see, like, with the zombies and stuff. But in terms of the story itself, what I, what I did like, and I think it was the second time through because – it definitely plays itself out at the end, but I wasn't paying much attention the first time through in terms of my reviews to the colonel at the beginning of the film. Oh, yeah. You know, I wasn't really paying attention to that scene. But now thinking about the scene, it's like, oh, yeah, like they were looking for, they don't say it, but now you think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, they were looking for that lost barrel. They don't know what the fuck happened to mm -hmm. it. And it happened to be in Kentucky with these nitwits, you know? And, you know, and like I said, this is, what happens is like once they figure out, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and detain it. <laughs> One of the most subtle bits of comedy in this movie is like, we see how worked up fucking like Bert is when he's about to make like the phone call at the end of the movie. Like when he's finally calling the 1-800 number. Yeah. Yeah. But then it cuts away from him entirely. Mm -hmm. And we see only the conversation from the Colonel's side. Yes. And he's just so calm and reserved and just like, oh, and what then? Oh, that's understandable. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just very businesslike. But you're just trying to imagine what Bert's saying on the other side. Oh my and gosh. it makes that so fucking funny. I know, because he you know, you know Bert is like probably in a panic trying to explain what the fuck's happening. Cause well, and you know that like his answer was probably pretty straightforward. He's a pretty straight shooter yeah, for the most part. So like when the colonel asks him, like well, why didn't you call right away? His answer was probably something along the lines of like, well, because those guys died. Yeah. And then like, the okay. answer is like, oh, well, that's understandable. Yeah, those guys are dead. <laughs> uh, and how many did you say there were? Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you. Now I'm going to hand you off. and <laughs> Yeah. And then, it, yeah, because it starts a series of commands from that point forward. Even that one guy at the end, you could tell, like, he was super gung-ho about his lines. Mm -hmm. can, yeah, it's like, I can't blame him. Hell, you're going to be in a movie? Yeah. Get those things off. You're only going to get five lines? Yeah, go for Make it, man. count. Yeah, I was like, yeah, this this is the guy. Yes, sir. But, yeah. The, <laughs> it's like, the holy fall, shit. The, after everything we've watched these people try to do to survive, and they're still 
trying to make it work, and all of them are pretty much fucked anyway. Yeah. But at the last second, <laughs> you're like, here it comes. Boom. I know. It, you know, it, it's very, it is very abrupt, but I think it does lend to like, we already said the humor and the tragedy mm-hmm. uh, on both sides of it. It's just like, yeah, we just <laughs> watch this, you know, this groups of people trying to survive this event. It's like, ah, we're just going to wipe it out. And then you have another fallout right behind it. When you have homie yelling up to Tina. Oh, I know. And he's like trying to gaslight her a little bit. I'm like, fucking gaslighting zombie. I know, man. That's so tragic. All of that shit. What I thought was funny, too. With, oh, my God. The tone in his voice, though, I was just like, I, is this where they pulled Tina, you fat lard, from? Possibly. I said, like, this film, because it is... For the time period, and like I said, for fans of zombie films, and because it has a cult, you know, cult classic status, it wouldn't surprise me, man, because there are some quotable lines. Like, for instance, our friend Jordan's been on before, right? Mm-hmm. When we did our Halloween episode and all that fun stuff, is he was talking about it because he's a real big fan of zombie films, and he remembered the half zombie. And he's like, I can feel my body rot, you mm-hmm. know. You know, all that stuff. He was quoting stuff from this film. I was like, damn. He's like, oh, I really like zombie films. So the bits that stand out to me are some of the fucking funny one off zingers. The fucking, you mean uh, the movie lied? Yeah. What I, what I totally forgot about this film was when the paramedics came and then, you know, they got offed and the oh zombies keep calling back to dispatch. <laughs> Send more paramedics. Yeah. Send like, more cops. That's, I was like, oh. Send more brains. That shit is hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> He's like, yeah, keep bringing it. It's like a buffet. Once again, it's one of those, this movie's a great example how it blends both because it's hilarious and horrifying. Oh, absolutely. How, like, the zombie is pretending to be, like, the cop waving them oh. in and shit. So that would be the part, too, if you were to drop yourself in that scenario, you would see the the horror in it, but as a audience member, you see more of the comedy in it. Right, because it's like, well, it's that's absurd. obviously a zombie. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like no, what? And then they basically just all pop out of the bushes as soon as the doors open. And then like, <laughs> it's like, man, one thing, too, I thought, I thought was funny, but you don't see it a lot either, it was where they had... What would be considered a freak, the freak zombie, mm-hmm. like gnawing on the guy. And you're like, all right, now, in my mind, I was like, I would have just booted the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But in reality, that shit would have been horrific. Like, yeah. It would have been scary as fuck. All of it would have been. Or like, the, even just like when Ernie fucking freaks out when the hand grabs him. Yeah, well, dude. Yeah. That's going to be scary as shit. And it's probably strong as shit, too. You're yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah, all of it. All of it. It looks goofy. Right, of course, but... I, but, yeah, it'd be fucking scary if it happened to yeah, you. Yeah, because I just think about it in those terms, like, drop yourself in the middle of that scenario, and then is it scary? Yeah, it would be. Mm-hmm. All of it would be. Even the scene with Frank later on, where he's taken off his ring and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. James Karen, he improvised that, mm. you know, and he's like... And he kind of alludes to it. He foreshadows his death earlier on when they are disposing of those body parts. He's like, hell, I could operate that machine. All right, you know. He's like, yeah, he does it later on in the film. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he did all of that. And it's funny because it gave it more of a significance as opposed to audience members and all that. The, the tragedy behind it. He was still cognizant enough to realize 
the situation he was in, let alone everybody else. Yeah, but then he just fucks more people. Well, that's just it. It's like he doesn't realize. That's mm-hmm. the tragedy. He's like, not only is he dying, but he's keeps he's spreading, spreading it. it. <laughs> and that's like, it's like, oh, <laughs> you're just making it worse. But you don't know that. Right. Yeah, you think you're getting yourself out of the equation. But yeah, anywho, it's stuff like that. I think that's really fun about this film. And what I was going to say earlier is Dan O'Bannon was mentioning this. He said in the premiere in Hollywood, what he was expecting as far as the crowd was it was going to be dominated by guys. Mm. You know, he said that's why, you know, he wanted to. Linnea Quigley naked the entire time. Well, not only that, but, you know, a little side nugget is the gal who played Casey, Jewel Shepard. Okay. This is not a, you know, like a spoiler or a mystery, but at one time she was a stripper, right? Oh, yeah, and she started in what, like Raw Heat and shit, yeah. you say? Yeah, a bunch of stuff, right? But O'Bannon used to come frequent and became friends with her, and, mm. you know, she suggested some other gals to try out for that role. She didn't want to be in that role because, you know, she's already been in all this stuff before. She's like, no, I'm more of a party girl. I want to be like cast as a party girl, but here's, and so somewhere down the road, in terms of like these connections, Linnea Quigley was pitched. And because not only, you know, she was attractive, but she could act as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what Abana was saying. He's like, he didn't just want people that looked the part. He wanted people that could act. And then you put them in costume because they can already act the part. And that's what he was looking for because he said people would come in already punked out and, he said, yeah. you couldn't get a good read on their acting because they were so overdone by the costume. So I was like, okay, that's that's kind of interesting. But regardless, that's how she got cast. Like I said, he had to, <laughs> he had some weird inter- interactions with a lot of these. Like he and Beverly Randolph didn't get along very well because it's like, you know, she's kind of right down the middle. I think we talked about this with, um, it wasn't too long ago. It, it was something similar, uh, Last House on the Left. Oh, with okay. that actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, like, she was kind of square, if you want to call mm-hmm. that. And this, so they were putting her in scenarios where she was getting freaked out. It's like, yeah, you're in a horror film. Right. <laughs> That's okay. how he treated it. But anyhow, anyhow, yeah, there's some really kind of like interesting little stuff that was going on, not with, you know, not only within the filming, but how this got off the ground, which we already mentioned with Russo and all this other like interesting little shit. Even, um, the guy who did most of the practical effects is like his major, his first major project. The art direction, we're like this guy's one of his first projects, and he's done all kinds of cool shit since then. So it was kind of a platform for a lot of people, kind of springboarding off, okay. not only yeah, for yeah. their acting and directing and everything else, but for zombies in general too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's like, what are the what are the odds? You know, it's fucking cool. It's yeah. a good movie. That's like once again, it's not like necessarily my cup of tea but if i am going to watch a zombie film i'd much prefer this kind of style mm-hmm. you know because yeah it's fun the score is good because it's a mix of like synth and bands as like once again there was another guy i wanted to mention was rocky erickson i know we brought him up before but during this time period he was doing what he called his horror rock okay so he would he but he was really inspired by like classic whether it was universal or hammer horror films so he references a lot of that shit but obana said what was neat whoever like pitched the idea to a lot of these bands he said he didn't realize they they probably got some background information on what the film was about because he said a lot of the songs are already kind of catered to some of the scenes 
Okay. And he's like, I wasn't expecting that. So there was shit like that, even the practical effects, how they pulled off that half zombie. He said the guy who did the uh, all the art for it and, you know, the, the practical effects, he said he gave him like six days to do it. And he said, that's really no time. But anyway, they pulled it off. He said, if I could have, I would have kissed that guy's feet and all this <laughs> other shit. So what I'm getting at is, like, there was some really cool stuff that got played off. Even the Tarman zombie. He said it was mostly, like, just melting down vinyl. Yeah, because you can, like, see the strips right. hanging off. Of and then he said at, at a certain point, you know, they would put it in, like, this coat of whatever. He said this nasty paint that were, like, browns and greens or whatever. And then they would put another sheen of, like, um, aluminum foil on them. Mm. You know, and it's like, yeah, it was just kind of practical shit, you know, but they pulled it off. And I know you talked about it with the, uh, well, you could tell it was like definitely a mannequin doll, whatever, but when they use that pickaxe yeah. through the head. But the the thing is, it's like, no, man, that gave you the sense of like, that doesn't end them. Yeah. Even when you chop the head off with the hacksaw. <laughs> like Even when you body. chop it into a bunch of little You're parts. Like, oh, fuck. And they're all just like wiggling. Yeah, there's like, that's, man, that would suck a bag, dude. Having to be there and, and having to go through that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would be fucked. Yeah, well, what I'm getting at, this is this is more like a, a fun party film, right? Yeah. Because they still throw like a little bit of a social commentary with Dow Chemical and mm-hmm. Agent Orange, you know. I think even the the... The two four five was a play on like some other chemicals. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't I remember it. Right. But the, the whole point is, is like there's still a little bit of social commentary mixed in with parody and satire. But and it's more like humor. If you already know exactly. It's, it's not like, trying to educate you so much as it, being. It's like, really not. It's if not. you already know, then you're going to catch this. Then it would make sense of like why they incorporate the military in this and why there's like these blunders and all this other shit. Mm-hmm. It's like, of course, you're not keeping up. <laughs> Like, of course, this thing's. Yeah. So there's. Of course, they lost their shit because they're dumbasses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Where is it? I don't know. It's middle of fucking Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Apparently, it's a random ass morgue. Or in this case, a medical supply. Why? What's it doing in a medical supply place? You need a medical supply. Yeah, no, that's that's funny, dude. So it's all of that. All of that shit is it's clever. It's fun. For me, it's a good party film for those who haven't seen it. And I think for fans of zombie films, it'd be right up your alley. Mm-hmm. And like so, once again, it kind of gives you a basis for what we, you've mentioned. What we've mentioned is the brains and the fast adds back to the zombies. Yeah, and even some of the design too. Even a little bit of the design. I I overall really enjoy it, uh, especially yeah. for being a zombie flick. So it's a good way to kind of cap the run too. You know, mm-hmm. more uh, on a comedic note. Considering, I, I mean, <laughs> even when it comes to comedic zombies, I'm probably a little bit more likely to throw on like Shaun of the Dead. Oh, yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. One hundred. But this is fucking good. It's worth it just to see the first brains. Yeah, I agree, man. Just agree. for that. Man. With how much that's become a part of the lore. It's worth it just for the historic aspect. What, what, one thing, too, I wanted to add is what I thought was really clever about this film is how fast suicide was taken out because he's kind of one of those characters that are. When shit goes down, you figure he'd be the one that takes control. Mm-hmm. But it gives you more of that scenario. What happens if the, the lead is, taken is right immediately away. taken out? It's like everything goes to shit. So you get kind of that. Not that I think he would have helped any. No, 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 no. But it's just the whole play on it. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, boom, he's out immediately. Uh, even Scuzz gets it good, too. Mm-hmm. That She bites his head and just blood squirts everywhere. God damn. So it's shit like that. It's pretty good. 
Uh, next week is Repossessed. Dude, yeah. For our patrons. Surprisingly, guess who got pitched a part in this film to play the role of Bert that we're about to talk about? Leslie? Leslie got, but he was like, no, you're not, yeah, I, you can't pay me enough to play that. <laughs> That's wild. This yeah. would have been a, I'm kind of glad he didn't. Clue, yeah, Clue Gulliger was cast kind of last minute he's he was literally the last guy cast because they were having a hard time so he wasn't in rehearsals a lot of the time mm. with these people and o'bannon even noted he's like for the majority of the film and i think all the way to the end clue literally didn't have a clue what kind of film he was in i mean he knew it was zombie yeah. but he's like this is gonna be a piece of shit like so he wasn't really on board until he came out of the premiere Okay. And O'Bannon was like, nah, he was like jovial, gave him a hug. and That's fucking funny. Yeah, kind of rejuvenated his career because we mentioned some of the credits. So it's kind of shit like that. It's really neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Repossessed. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to rewatch Linda it. Blair? Linda Blair. Yeah. I mean, I'm anytime I get to watch Leslie Nielsen, uh, even his shit movies, he's great. I, I, yes, I agree, man. It's always fun to watch him regardless. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Once again, that's going to be for our patrons. So patreon.com slash fried squirms. Go check it out. Uh, that would be the $3 a month level that'll yeah. get you that. But until next time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried squirms? Out. out. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us or preferably over on Apple Podcasts. That'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top, as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in fried squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ats. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.